welcome to this week's edition of the Better Rivals Podcast. My name is Oscar Aparicio, and this week, can the 49ers bear another loss? They travel to Chicago and bump offensive uglies against another struggling team. And with me this week, vindicated in his 2015 pass interference strategy, it's David Newman. <laughs> Look, sometimes you can just throw it up. It's going to be fine. I remember, so prayers. there was a tweet that I saw today uh, from Tori Smith. And someone, I guess, had plotted out the, um, I forget if it was like yards or EPA or something. It was something gained based on pass interference penalties alone. And Torrey Smith was the outlier, the extreme outlier. And I remember very vividly <laughs> in 2015 talking about the addition of Torrey Smith to the 49ers. And David Newman's stump speech for Torrey Smith was, look, just throw it up. He's either going to catch it or he's going <laughs> to get pass interference. And, like, and if it doesn't catch it, just throw it up. Yeah, you know, and and I remember you being very animated about just throwing it up to Tory Smith, and the Niners, you know, did not. You know what? <laughs> we're still we're still looking for someone to just throw it up deep every once in a while. But hey, it's, you know what? It took it took six years, but we're here. We have the receipts. It's been a six year strategy. You've been vindicated, David Newman. How do you feel? <laughs> this is why I do it. You know, right here, long game. You, you know, officially you can now dunk on Greg Cassell. You were right about Tory Smith. I mean, that's know, not I that think. hard. Yeah, come on. <laughs> come, come on, my resume is a little better than that. Shit. It is, it is. But we're focusing on the highlights. So we, uh, we've got a little bit of housekeeping. The game is at noon on Saturday, Sunday. It's also Halloween on Sunday. We have little kiddos. So we're going to record early. Live stream folks, those of you who are watching us live right now, we're going to start at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific. Come join us. Have a beer. Talk about the results of this game. Or let's just get drunk and party and steal our kids' candy. Either Can't way, wait. we're winning is all I'm saying. We are winning. Uh, because the Niners are going to go face the Chicago Bears. I really hope you caught all of the clever wordsmithing there in the open. I did. I appreciate um, it. Yeah. 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 It's two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row. I'm pretty proud of myself. Uh, the, the 49ers go to Chicago, face the Bears, and this is two limp offenses bumping, bumping up against each other and, and basically seeing you know who, uh, who can withstand that kind of action because it, it, the, this is another winnable game for the 49ers. And, and part of the reason it's winnable is because the Chicago Bears are absolutely terrible in one of the key ways the 49ers need which is throwing the football. They are bad at passing the football by just about every conceivable metric. The Bears are near the bottom of the NFL. And you start with passing game or overall yards per game. They are the only team to not have broken the thousand yard passing mark on the year. They have negative EPA per pass. They're, if you just look at Justin Fields, his completion percentage over expectation is negative 5%. He's basically only uh, better than Zach Wilson. Third fewest points on the year as a team in aggregate with 101 points. This offense is just not good. And when you look at a, uh, a 49ers team whose basically best defense is cheating, it, you know, at least this is, you know, this is something where it's like, okay, matchups make fights. This might be a matchup the Niners can win. Can we just, uh, this is a game where I would like to, you know, like in, in Madden, you can like super sim through and you can just like watch 
the little bubbles on there and it kind of goes through and then it's just like five minutes later you're at the end that's kind of how i feel about this game like the bears are bad right now the 49ers are bad yeah it's it's like two offenses that just are are really struggling but it, it it is nice to feel like in this particular matchup the 49ers not might not be the team that's struggling the most which is hey that's got to count for something but yeah i i think the bears offense uh for a lot of different reasons some of them that, that we're going to get into here obviously um has not looked great and and has been um yeah just kind of on on that struggle bus so far this season yeah, they're not doing a whole lot to help Justin Fields, and and Justin Fields has done some. He's looked. He's had some flashes. He's had some really pretty, especially intermediate throws, and, and he's had some couple of really good hole shots, especially against zone. Um, and and they do like to chuck it deep, but they're not helping him out. They're not doing a lot of play action. Um, when you look at the, their rate of play action, they're 19th in the league, despite the fact that Justin Fields has the sixth highest completion percentage differential when he uses play action. I mean, quarterbacks are generally better with play action. It's one of the ways you could help your quarterback. It's why the 49ers, I'm sure, use a whole hell of a lot of it. And and they definitely use play action. And when they do, it benefits Justin Fields. And yet they just don't do it, you know, as often as they probably should. And as a result, he's not reaping those benefits. Uh, so they're just not doing a lot to really help him out. They're trying to make him a quick game quarterback. I don't know if you saw Ted Nguyen's article in The Athletic today. Um, but you know, that, that wasn't when we did the scattering report on Justin Fields, that wasn't really part of his game. He was an intermediate thrower. He was a deep thrower. Um, he was accurate to those areas of the field. And then the bears are trying to make him a quick game, uh, passer and that's not where he excels. And so it just feels and looks a bit like a mismatch. Yeah, I, I think there's there's a number of things that they're not doing. I mean, the play action thing, definitely they could lean into more. I think a little bit of that is is probably game script related right i mean they've been trailing pretty big in a lot of games and so i think when you when you look at stuff that's a little bit more situation neutral they're you know uh, they're about league average so yeah definitely something you with a young quarterback um you know probably should be leaning into a little bit more but yeah i i think you would like to see some some easier throws for him right they're they're also like bottom half of the league in terms of rate that they're throwing screen passes uh bottom half of the league in terms of the rate that they're running rpos and so these are easy things that you can do to kind of scheme some stuff up to get uh some some nice easy throws for your young quarterback you know and and so yeah they're not doing that stuff a lot um the quick game stuff is is tough because on one hand, yeah, absolutely. Like, is that his biggest strength when you watched him playing college? And and we were just like, man, get that guy in an, an offense. It's going to use some quick game, right? Like, no, of course not. But uh, he's also been the lowest graded quarterback if you remove those quick game throws. So if you look at everything else other than the quick game throws, he's the lowest graded quarterback in the NFL right now uh, by, by PFF grade there. So yeah, it's it's been ugly for him. I think the the things that you're seeing to me that the thing that stuck out. I watched a, a decent chunk of his season so far today, and it, and it just he doesn't look comfortable. I think it's a lot of like typical rookie quarterback stuff where it's just like he looks uneasy in the pocket. He doesn't always look sure of what he's seeing, and that was something that you know we we talked about a bit. Uh, in the pre-draft yeah. process, right, about how sometimes it, it looks like he's a little late to pull the trigger on things, and you're seeing that kind of exacerbated in a, an environment that's more competitive, right? So 
uh, yeah, I, I think that's the biggest thing. Because when he does make some of those good throws, which are, are still there, I mean, there's some very good throws um, that he's been able to make so far this season. It's he just looks more comfortable. He's in rhythm. You know, he's he's throwing at the last step of his drop. Right. It's just everything looks a little bit more comfortable and easy for him. And when that breaks down, rather whether that's due to something the defense is doing, um, you know, via pressure, via coverage, um, or if it's just him kind of panicking a little bit and, and not seeing what's there, whatever the reason is, that's when things break down. And he's he's looked he's had, he's had some really ugly snaps when when those things happen. Yeah, when, when you talk about some of his ugly, ugly snaps and you look at his turnover worthy play rate um, without play action specifically, his turnover worthy play rate is at 5.9%, almost 6%. That is worst in the NFL. The quarterback right behind him in turnover worthy play rate with no play action, Jimmy Garoppolo, 5.6%. You know, getting getting that rookie boost without being a rookie. Uh, Good old Jimmy Garoppolo. Man, I, I was looking at something earlier and I don't have it up right now and I forgot to, to note it down, but I think it was, I want to say that it was looking at um, dropbacks where quarterbacks were out of rhythm. The two lowest yeah. graded quarterbacks were Justin Fields and Jimmy Garoppolo had the two highest turnover worthy play rates uh, in those situations. So yeah. now when you say out of rhythm, define out of rhythm for those that may not be familiar. Um, so it's, it's going to be the way that we chart it at PFF is is going to be um, a little different than than what you might think. But it's yeah, it's essentially if something like within his drop back. Um, and it, this is going to be mostly on just standard dropback stuff. So, you know, the boots and the designed sprint outs and things like that kind of get bucketed in their own separate area. Um, but on the straight dropback stuff, it, it's essentially if something, you know, takes him out of the normal rhythm of the dropback, right? So if it's it, when he's looking at his first read there, if the coverage is really tight and then he kind of looks to panic and gets out of the pocket, right? Something like that. If he gets quick pressure and, and that forces him uh, to kind of move off his spot or, or move out of the pocket, that would be an example. Or if you just, you know, again, if, it, if it's something that's more on him where he's got somebody open his first look and he just doesn't pull the trigger for whatever reason and then bails from a clean pocket, that would be a situation where he's no longer in rhythm. Um, so yeah, it's it's going to be stuff like that as a very quick definition. Yeah, so a lot of that is going to be him under pressure, right? Pressure can really quickly knock you out of rhythm and fields under pressure is is something that happens frequently, but a place where he doesn't really excel. Justin Fields has been pressured 66 times this season, leads the league with 33% of his pressures turning into sacks. He's got 22% of his pressures that turn into sacks. That is an ungodly rate. And, and I don't, I think his offensive line is bad. It is, but, and especially they've got, they've got, man, they've got someone though on that offensive line. I think his name is Lachavius Simmons. It might be Lachavius, L-A-C-H-A-V-I-O-U-S. I cannot wait to hear someone try to pronounce that on the broadcast. <laughs> cannot wait. Uh, that is prime better rivals material right there. Um, but th- there are there are some personnel issues. There's some injury issues on that offensive line. And, and it's not good for Justin Fields. But sometimes Justin Fields also doesn't help out his offensive line. And, and he's very slow to throw. He's not seeing the field. You know, I think you mentioned it earlier. The, the things that we saw in college are exacerbated in a more competitive environment, especially when the bullets are flying a little bit faster. 
and is just not getting through everything appropriately, that turns into a sack. Um, and, and overall, that conversion from pressure to sack is sometimes on fields, sometimes on, an off- on his offensive line. But either way, it turns into a lot of pressures and a lot of sacks. And this is a game where if the Niners are going to try to stay competitive with their offense, they're going to need to shut down the Bears offense. And, and this, is, this is a game that's right for their model. Right. That yep. You build yep. the front seven, build with Bosa. This is the way you want to win a game. Well, this is a team that's saying, beat me the way you want to beat me, buddy. And let's <laughs> let's see if the Niners can do it. Sounds dirty. I um, almost said daddy, but decided against it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably probably for the best. Um, fuck. What were we talking? Wow. That really throws your uh, your train of thought off there. Uh, Justin Fields under pressure. Yeah, no, the, the, the sack rate conversion, I think, is is the really big thing there, because I don't think, yeah, the, the pressure rate, um, I mean, the offensive line, as has been documented in many places, I, I feel like is not playing well. They've had some issues uh, communication wise and protection wise. And so that is definitely a part of it. But their their pressure rate on the whole, like across the the entire season, this isn't going to be only with fields, um, but isn't like that egregious. It's like a little above average, but it's nothing too wild. Um, but yeah, the the amount of those pressures that are turned into sacks is, I feel like, a lot on the quarterback. I mean, uh, not every one of those is going to you know, be able to fit into that bucket, but you do see over the course of a larger sample and, and over the course of the season, like certain quarterbacks just have a low sack conversion rate right like and it's consistent year after year and then some quarterbacks have have a higher conversion rate there and so i think a lot of it is on him and in what you see on on film for that is like yeah him trying to make a play i mean like look that offense isn't very good the the receivers they've got Allen robinson of course but after that it's like it's pretty iffy they don't have a ton of playmakers there and, and so i think him and just being the type of athlete that he is like is trying to do a lot right he's trying to break contain out of uh some of these plays when he's getting out of structure and and trying to hang on to the ball to the last possible minute and thinking he can get by some of these guys and and it's like yeah some of these defenders are a little bit faster than than they even were in the big 10 right so I think he's still getting adjusted to all of that stuff and he is taking kind of some ugly sacks and and there's even uh, some of his interceptions and turnover worthy plays are in similar situations there where he's kind of trying to um, make something happen out of structure and then gets kind of this late pressure and just makes a really terrible decision and and kind of throws the ball back into areas that he shouldn't be. So yeah, it's 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 been problematic for him when he gets under pressure for sure. Yeah, and one of the ways that teams have been getting him under pressure is by blitzing. They are blitzing him at a very, very high rate, and he's not recognizing the blitzes. He's not resetting his protection, if that's something that's his responsibility. I don't know the Bears offense well enough to know if that's something that's on him. But he's getting free rushers, and and he's getting a lot of things in his face, and he's not necessarily adjusting. And and if I'm D'Amico Ryans, this is going to be one of those situations where, yeah, you start to throw a lot at the rookie. You start to blitz the rookie and you start to unleash a little bit of that. It's something D'Amico Ryans likes to do on third down. Maybe you start doing a little bit, you know, kind of all over the downs in general and seeing if you can get to fields and force him into a mistake Um, because it's not something that he's been able to handle well. The one thing that he does do, at least with regularity, is throw it deep. And if you just escaped the Indianapolis pass interference game, now you're thinking, okay, (laughs) if they're going to have any semblance of an offense... 
it's going to be by checking it deep because Justin Fields has nearly a 17% deep attempt rate. It's the second highest in the NFL. Uh, that's second behind Lamar Jackson. Uh, and incidentally, as I was looking at some of this stuff, I was surprised to see that the third highest deep throw percentage on the list is Trey Lance. <laughs> there you go. That's, that's a, I mean, it's a small sample size, right? Because we only had like a yeah. game and a half and, and some things, right? But um, but yeah, it's still surprising to see that it's like it's Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance. Jimmy Garoppolo, I, that, the list was not long enough. Not at the top of the list. No. Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> um, Right. Yeah. I, I mean, he's he's going to take some shots and I think they're going to, you know, design some shots and, and they're going to try to push the ball downfield a little bit. Um, I mean, it's kind of just part of I mean, part of it is is definitely him. Right. And I think he's he is certainly willing to take some chances downfield and, and throw some. Game. Yeah. I mean, and he's very good at it. I mean, you, you look at a lot of his best throws and it is stuff that is further down the field. Right. It's it's the deep intermediate outcuts um i mean he had one in in this last game that was you know that intermediate out far hash and just put it on a rope and and right perfect ball location so he still has that stuff in him right and he's got some some nice shots down the sideline and so yeah they're, they're gonna have to be prepared for it i mean the 49ers have uh you know obviously had issues with penalties when the penalties haven't been there like they've been uh you know okay at it kind of preventing some of those deeper shots but obviously the penalties have been what what kind of kills them and so yeah i think they're going to be willing to just you know take some chances and and even if guys are a little bit covered and it doesn't look like you have the clearest shot like they're going to put it up and and give some of their guys a chance and we're going to see those quarterback uh the the 49ers cornerbacks tested right and see if they can figure this out and and learn how to to not you know just start grabbing a hold of guys i mean some of them are awful i mean norman had the one last week that didn't even fucking matter and he's like reaching out like obviously just trying to like grab the dude's fucking arm and it's like what are you doing man come on um yeah he's also got coverage too i mean there are things that you don't see too with with norman that he is just in the wrong spot busting his coverage and it doesn't cost the niners on a play because something else happens or the ball gets thrown away from norman but those are things that the the eyes in the sky see those are things that those images see on the sideline and that's Part of the reason I'm sure why he's continually getting attacked. I think if the Niners are going to win, they're going to need to get to fields before he can throw the ball up. Because you look at a, a, a wide receiver like Allen Robinson, or you look at a speedster like Darnell Mooney, and they are matchup advantages against whatever corners the Niners are going to put out there. It doesn't matter. Like put put whatever corner you've got. Allen Robinson is better than that corner. Darnell Mooney is faster than that guy. Um, and and so they they will if Fields has the time. I think be able to to complete a couple of passes and Allen Robinson, you put him in a contested catch situation. He's going to win that ball. He's going to win that ball or get a pass interference. He's going to, he's going to be the new Tory Smith. You know, he's going to channel your, <laughs> your vision of Tory Smith. They're going to throw it up there. He's going to get one of the two. And, and so they have to get to Justin Fields before he can make that throw. And I think this is going to be something that, that Ryan's going to have to bounce, right? Because on one hand, you know, I, I think you do want to pressure him. You want to throw some more creative looks at him and and do some of those things to hopefully try to get him to hold on to the ball. And then you get that pressure on him. Um, but when you do that, you're you're leaving yourself a little bit more open on the back end. Right. And, and there's more chances there to hit some of these big plays. And so if they do get it protected or you see fields, you know, be able to make something happen and, and get out of that initial pressure and, and still take a shot deep. Um, you know, 
that's going to be a, a tough ask for for that secondary right now because they're not showing that they can kind of consistently defend that stuff without getting these huge penalties, right? So I, I think, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how much they lean into that heavy blitz stuff that I think Chicago's seen a lot of uh, over the course of the season and how much they try to still play it safe because we know that like that's kind of a core thing for their defense and just kind of how they structure things is they do want to play a bit more over the top and enforce some of the underneath stuff and really try to take away those explosive plays. And so they're, they're going to have to balance that and figure it out in this game. How many points do you think it's going to take for the 49ers to, to win this game and, and not have to worry about the bears coming back? Because the, while the, the bears offense is a version of a dumpster fire, the, the bears defense has not been the bears defense leads the league in sacks. And, and they've been powered by Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, and Robert Quinn. Now, Khalil Mack is not playing. He's on injured reserve. He's got a foot injury. I think Akeem Hicks has got a groin injury, and he uh, I'm not sure if he's playing. He didn't play last week in Tampa Bay, but he's iffy for the game. And Robert Quinn was on the COVID-19 list last week, and he may be back this week. So they might have some of their pass rushing juice, but this... If if they are able to get to Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean that's the thing that that you know I mean destroys a lot of quarterbacks. Jimmy Garoppolo specifically is that's when he starts getting linebacker blind. That's when he starts fumbling in the pocket, and, and that you know drive or two or maybe a turnover can change the game. So how many points do you think it's going to take for a team that is really not good at scoring points themselves? I mean, I, I think if we get a, a typical defensive performance from the Fortnite, I think they should be able to do a reasonable job at, at keeping you know, the Bears offense under control. And so I feel like if you get if you get up to the mid 20s or so, I feel like that should be a good number unless things I mean, if obviously knowing knowing us saying that right now, I mean, things are, are probably just as likely to fall apart defensively and the secondary is going to have their worst game of the season. And rather than just getting penalties, they're just going to straight up get beat and, and we'll give a bunch of big plays. Right. So who knows? But again, assuming a, a relatively typical performance from what we've seen from them so far this year, I, I think they can do a decent job there. And yeah, I, I think when you look at that bears defense and how the 49ers can start to score points, I mean, it should be a good matchup. The The pass rush has definitely been the the driver and a lot of the success that they've had, but the coverage has been really bad. I mean, they're a bottom five coverage unit right now when you look at, at kind of the team coverage grade on PFF. Um, and I, I think they've kind of been fortunate in some situations because if you look at, at stuff like their EPA per play, some of the results-oriented things, they don't look terrible. They're kind of more middle of the pack, right? But of their grading outside of the pass rush is all very low. And so that kind of discrepancy says that they've probably been getting a little bit fortunate, right, in in terms of the results being, um, you know, better than the actual process leading to that. So I I think they should have some opportunities. I mean, the defensive line stuff that if the Bears are really missing all of those guys, I mean, there's no excuses, right? They they shouldn't be able to generate too much of a pass rush. They should have time to, to be able to find the holes in that secondary they should be able to lean on the run game. I mean, the the run defense hasn't been uh, all that great for Chicago so far. So, yeah, I mean, this is is really a team that on paper looks to be a worse team than the 49ers, even as as poorly as the 49ers have played for most of the season. That uh, they should they should be able to figure it out, but we'll see. I've got two words for you, David Newman: right guard. <laughs> you know, you never know what's going to happen there. Could be a turnstile. Yeah, you know, could be a tuba player. We just don't know. 
Well, we're going to get there. Uh, and if they've got some juice on that defensive line, Jimmy Garoppolo could be in for it, is all I'm saying. But everybody else, um, I mean, so that's the thing. The Akeem Hicks thing is going to be big because outside yeah. of him, they really don't have any interior players that, yeah. that are any good, that, that put any fear in you. So we'll, we'll see what that injury list looks like come game day. Now, uh, I think uh, kind of other odds and ends, just other things that have been happening this week in 49er land. Um, I text you this morning slash afternoon because of the Seth Wickersham tweet. He reported in his book that the 49ers, um, they were in in informal discussions with the New England Patriots about potentially trading for Jimmy Garoppolo. No official offer was made, despite what Matt Miller tweeted, I guess. And and they and I guess New England floated an idea of a second round pick and San Francisco was like, no, we want a first. And that's where it ended in the book. It very clearly says that, like, it was informal. They just kind of floated it out there. And and then they decided, yeah, no, that's too rich for our blood. We're just, you know, we can probably get one of the first round quarterbacks. Let's just go ahead and do that. We like the youth and upside. Let's go that route. Um, Would you have jumped at a second round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo? And immediately. Yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't know. Um, and, and again, like, uh, there, there is certainly a difference between just kind of floating some ideas out there and having some discussions and, and actually making a formal offer saying, this is what we are willing to, to give you officially for Jimmy Garoppolo there. But the, the idea that they were holding out thinking that they can get a first round pick for him after what he's done. I mean, it just like, he is, it feels like he's getting worse every year. Like his stock is only declining. He is, um, he is, and, he is appreciably getting worse. The peak yeah. was those five games in 2017. Oh, absolutely. And every, and every single year he has legitimately gotten worse. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I, I, I think getting a meaningful pick in return for him, you know, that a second rounder is, is a very good pick to have. I mean, sure. And it's a wash and, at that point. The, yeah. the pick you gave up is, is it, maybe, maybe it's a little worse than the one you gave up. But at that point, what it cost you was the dollars you paid him. And, and that's okay. That's Jed's money. Who cares? Right. And when you look at it from that perspective, right, in terms of you only had to give up a second, his stock was much higher when he hadn't played. Yeah. Because it was that unknown element, right? And it was the like, hey, he's been sitting behind Brady and, and all of those things, right? And so he had it felt like that same sort of upside that you are hoping for when you take a young quarterback in the draft. Right. So his stock was definitely higher then than it was uh, now or going into the season or or a draft time this year. And so, yeah, for a team that, uh, you know, just, I don't know when the timing of these conversations happened relative to when the 49ers made their move up to number three, but, you know, obviously you, you have to think that the 49ers were already considering, um, you know, moving up and, and what that would look like and, and kind of piecing that together as a part of their offseason plan, um, knowing that you're going to be without all these picks. Like, you just you got to take what you can get, I feel like, in that situation. Yeah, it just goes to show that they are, they're not lying to you when they say that the only thing that they think is wrong with Jimmy Garoppolo is the injury history. Yep. Um, and, and that, I think, is unfortunately more of an indictment on their ability to evaluate quarterbacks than anything else. Um, because if they think the only thing wrong with Jimmy Garoppolo is his injury history, um, I think we've all, we've all been operating under the assumption that, you know, you draft Trey Lance, you put that much capital into getting a quarterback like that. That's your admission that no matter what you say publicly, 
you know privately that he's just not the guy. Um, and and I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they actually do think that he's he's that guy, and and he's just you know a couple of really limp ligaments away from being a, a really good quarterback. Um, and and that I think would be the most damning thing that I could find out about about Shanahan more than anything else. Yeah. That would be the thing that's like you think this is the guy. Um, I mean, the more the more we get into this, the more information we get about uh, this whole quarterback situation, uh, the worse it looks for them. I yeah. feel like. Yeah, not great. Uh, last thing about the Chicago game. I actually forgot to mention this before the, the trade talk. I was just so excited to talk about Seth Wickersham <laughs> and second round picks um, is that Matt Nagy also has COVID and he can't coach uh, against if he can't coach against the Niners on Sunday, then it'll be special teams coordinator Chris Tabor will be the acting head coach. So if the Niners, uh, I mean, look, if, if the, the Bears don't have a head coach, it's not unheard of that they can't win. You know, that I think uh, the Cardinals won without Cliff Kingsbury. Um, oh, this one Bears, might be a net positive for Chicago, honestly. The, 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 the Bears are not the Cardinals. And <laughs> no. this is not that offense. And and maybe I mean maybe a lot of Bears fans at this point would say it is a net positive for for Nagy to not call plays, um, <laughs> you know, but but I I think all all signs are pointing that like if they can't dig themselves out of this hole against this Bears team, then they go from like a, a an average team that flirts with bad to a bad team that maybe gave you a fake glimmer of average, because um, they really should be able to beat the Bears. Yeah, I mean, they've got to or things are getting, you know, very ugly very quickly because I think it's hard right now to assume uh, even though the games are at home that they can get wins against either Arizona or the Rams coming up. I mean, Arizona and and Los Angeles are are really looking like, you know, two of the best teams in the NFL right now. So I I think the 49ers looking very much not like one of those teams, Um, you know, at home division games, you never know. And and obviously we'll spend more time talking about those games coming up here, but it's, it's looking bleak. I mean, you could very easily see going into that Jacksonville game at two and seven, if they manage to lose this week against Chicago. So it's, it's just, uh, it's real ugly. One game out of the wild card, David. One game. <laughs> Play- that's Where's all, my that's all you need to know. Don't talk about playoffs. That's right. <laughs> Add new ins- features here. We installed that one just for David. Uh, playoffs. That was that was all, David. He you asked don't for even that need to be a Patreon subscriber for that goodness. <laughs> We're giving you to, that for free. All right. That, that was in the Patreon video. I did. It I was. Did it that was. <laughs> Um, lastly, uh, the, the curious case of Brandon Ayuk where, where I feel like every time we get a bit more information, it's, it's a whole new thing. Now it's that he, it weighs too much. He was too heavy. He was having some weight issues or something. I forget exactly what the quote was, but now it's basically gone from injury to there's nothing wrong to we expect more in practice to he's fat shaming. Yeah. He's basically <laughs> not where we want him to be body wise and, and, uh, I think the the direct quote from Shanahan was that we he's not where w- he was playing at the end of last year, and and I mean, look, I'm I'm the first guy to sit here and tell you that not every that that players have trajectories and those trajectories aren't always linear. We just talked about how Jimmy Garoppolo has a linear trajectory; it's just down. The peak of his NFL and and really 49ers career was in that five game sample, 
and and there are players like Akella Witherspoon that started out hot and just then kind of came back down to earth, never played very well. Adrian Colbert just got cut. He's the player that, you know, people were like, yes, seventh round pick. We hit on a seventh round gem. And it turns out he was more like a seventh round pick after that one season of a flash. Right. So I'm not going to sit here and say that it's impossible for a player to to not remain good. And once he is good, then he's going to be good forever. But I don't know that that the Brandon Ayuk that we're seeing right now is like necessarily appreciably worse than what we saw previously. He's just not getting opportunities. And and granted, we're not seeing exactly what's happening in practice, but it is it, it just smacks of of mismanagement to try to snipe at this player through the media in some way, shape, or form, and then expect him to to perform in this way. It just I don't know. It just seems weird. All these all these little nuggets. Weird, uh, yeah, I think is is the app description because it, it's just um, y- y- it's hard to know what to mean because I don't know that that necessarily it means that they're straight out lying, right? Like, because again, there's a lot of things behind the scenes that that we don't get to see, and so maybe um, you know he is looking shitty in practice. Maybe he's he's just not, you know, he's maybe he's being lazy there or whatever. Maybe he has. Uh, put on some weight compared to where he was at last year. Like maybe there have been some nagging injuries that have limited him. Like these things can all be true. But then when you look at the, the end product on game day, it's hard to see something that's so significantly different that it justifies what they've done as a result of those things, right? It's fine if you're not happy with his practice performance and you need to work on on getting more out of him there. It's fine if he needs to to kind of work himself into better shape, all these things. But to say that he's really anything less than your second best receiver right now just seems strange. Like, I, I don't know how you can say that putting Trent Shurfield on the field putting Muhammad Sanu on the field ahead of this guy is giving you a better chance to win. And that, that I think is the difficult thing to, to swallow with this whole situation. Yeah. We talked about the play specifically in the video breakdown that we did about the Colts game on the third down play where the featured receiver is Muhammad Sanu and he's trying to run kind of this in breaking, you know, almost juke route where he gets, I mean, he does stack the corner, but he just doesn't have the separation ability to break free of that corner and the corner is able to stay sticky and and the throw is incomplete. I, I just keep thinking about what Brandon Ayuk would look like running that route. He's going to get, you know, I don't know, a Condor's arm length of separation and and be able to maybe make a play on third down and keep your drive alive and that changes that game. It just that that those are the little moments, those are the little things where I'm like, yes, I get that you want to that you want to put the players that play the right way, the way that you want them to on a pedestal, right? That that know the playbook, that put the time in, that you want to reward the hard work. And I get that. I do. From a people management perspective, from a culture perspective, that, that all makes sense. But at, at the end of the day, like you can do that in some way and still throw to your second best receiver or your first best receiver on third and four in critical situations. You know, and, right. and, and those two things are not mutually exclusive. Yeah, it's it's just like uh, it, it's hard to take the the we want to win at all costs like type of mentality, right? Like we're not giving up on the season. We're going with Jimmy Garoppolo. We're making all of these other d- decisions uh, to prioritize going with veterans over young players, and and we're not here to develop for the sake of development. But we're gonna you know do something that seems like it it hurts your chance, like it makes your offense worse when you are relegating. 
Ayuk to a, a role below some of these other receivers, right? It, it just doesn't add up to me. And I think, yeah, and it's just, it's been a, a whole like flurry of things, right? Where it's like you have some of these other situations where he's not being featured and he's not being put in situations where it's likely that he's going to end up getting the ball. And then whenever he does end up in those situations and like the rare instances where you design something up for him, it seems like something else always kind of goes wrong to prevent like, you know, there was the the play that Baldy tweeted out and talked about this week that, that everybody was talking about where he's open for an easy touchdown. Like if you put that ball anywhere near him, there's not another defender in sight on this deep post route. And uh, you just can't get it right. He gets pressure. Jimmy rolls on the pressure a little bit, gets his arm hit uh, as he's throwing. And and it just doesn't get a chance to even get there. Right. So there's just things like that. And it's just all adding up to, I think, a very frustrating season where we just don't get to see many opportunities for him to do anything and produce anything. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, the, the frustration carries on. We'll see what happens against Chicago. We'll see how many points they need to score. Uh, and we'll see whether or not the 49ers can get off of their losing streak. It's a game they should win. I think the line is that they're favored by four. I don't know that they're good enough to cover, but they should absolutely win this game. Um, and I think that's where we'll wrap it up. Uh, I'm going to go and relax, hang yeah. out. Watch. I'm not even watch the rest of this game. This game is ten seven. Spoiler alert! I should have maybe mentioned in the case. Of, who's like DVR in games at this point? I don't think. Yeah. So. No spoiler um, alert there. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, we're gonna go relax. It's gonna be good. I'm gonna go. Got got a run tomorrow. Got some football that actually brings me joy. You know, Chelsea is gonna play this weekend. Christian Pulisic is playing again. Nice. Uh, it's really uh, it's great. I know Captain America. It's wonderful. Um, you know, Halloween. All right. Let's break the seal. Yeah, I already know what your Halloween, what you and your Halloween costume is going to be for your daughter. Um, yeah. Did we did we tell you what we're going to be? No, I don't think so. Uh, it's going to be Gizmo. We're going to dress our daughter up as Gizmo from Gremlins. Oh right. Okay. No, I do remember remember seeing that in the text. So what are y'all going to be? Uh, I'm going to be. Uh, oh man, now I'm forgetting his name. I think it's uh, Bobby uh drexler or something like that or i forget exactly what his name is but uh and then my wife is going to be the the girlfriend and for the rest of you who aren't hacking our text conversations uh my daughter is going as the count from sesame street because she loves the fucking count uh every time he comes on screen she gives a little uh 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 like sort of a laugh that the count does which is just fucking adorable so she's going to be the count uh, I am going to be Cookie Monster, and my wife is going to be Elmo. And that's uh, yeah. we're going uh, Sesame Street. Billy Peltzer uh, and Kate Berenger are the characters. Those are the characters' names. Yeah, and he dresses up in like a, a down puffer and a sweater and a button, like a like a white button down shirt. I'm pretty sure it's going to be somewhere near 80 degrees. It is not cold <laughs> enough for that. Yeah, I, I'm highly regretting our uh, costume choice because we both decided to take the lazy route and we got like these onesie situations. Oh, yeah. Um, Polyester onesies. And it's going to be fucking hot and and yeah. I'm not looking forward to it. Yeah. I remember that one time that we all wore onesies for my birthday and went to a bar. I do. That Your wife's fun. birthday. Oh, that's right. It was my last birthday. It was her 31 31 30, That's right. Yep. That's right. I'm, uh, already, mel- that I'm was, already melding birthdays. I'm not going to lie. I, it was uh, a wonderful excuse to wear a onesie out in public. 
Just, it, was it was great. It was very comfortable. Yeah. And, you know, you feel very comfortable in onesie when there's like 25 other people also yeah, in you're onesie. just like, I'm not weird. Look at all these other fucking people. This is back in the before times when you could still congregate with that many people. And, and we didn't have children. So <laughs> we also did not have children uh, and could withstand hangovers. But uh, that does it for this week's edition of the Better Rivals podcast. David, tell them about the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Better Rivals. We've got the live streams. We've got the Discord. We've got the weekly video breakdowns. Lots of fun stuff. Even some not so fun stuff, but if you just want some very detailed work about the less fun things, that is in there too. So just head there. Uh, it is the best way that you can support the pod. Betterrivals.com. Excuse me, patreon.com slash betterrivals. Buy us a beer. We should probably get betterrivals.com if that isn't already owned. Yeah, we should probably just do that. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I mean, look, we're year 10, maybe. <laughs> maybe this thing's going to last. <laughs> You also get to hear things like this on the Patreon. Uh, Playoffs? Uh, You can find me on Twitter, at Better Rivals. Thanks again for tuning in. And as always, go Niners. Go Niners.